Oh, this week. How many had a good week this week? How many had a good, I mean, really, just thank you, Lord. Man, God has done so many good things, right? How many had a tough week this, morning, this week? How many, so there's some people who had a tough week this week, right? I have been in the middle of studying Revelation and preparing Revelation, and I called Jenny this last week, and I said, man, there's a song that, that I would like to have played on Sunday, and so we may play it at the end, towards the end of service, but it is, uh, you know the song, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, holy, holy is he. Right? Sing a new song to him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. With all creation we sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Amen? Man, I think about this act that we have, that we call worship. This morning, I want to talk to you about worship. I want to talk to you about what it is that we're created for. I want to talk to you starting and continuing in our series in Revelation. And we're in part six and we're getting into chapter four. Now this week, uh, we're going to cover chapters four and five. That's the plan. I, I promise, I know. Uh, here's the thing. It's, uh, we're, there's parts of chapter five that we're going to cover more next week. We're not going to skip over it all together, but we're going to have to go back a little bit. But I want you to have a true picture of Revelation 4 and 5 and how it relates to worship. So during the last few weeks, we have covered the first three chapters in Revelation. We've dealt specifically with the seven churches in Revelation. You guys have been here, you know that. Uh, John was called to write letters to seven churches. And in those letters, we saw both commendation and correction with a call for repentance. How many know repentance is a good thing? A call for repentance means Jesus wants us to live in righteousness. He wants us to turn from our evil ways and live in righteousness with him. Amen. So the correction was given out of love and in a longing for a pure relationship with Christ. That is why it's given. So this week we see a shift. Because now the Apostle John isn't being given instructions for the seven churches. Now, the, hey, Sal, Becky, how you guys doing? <laughs> I saw you guys earlier. I saw you come in. But I just saw you looking at me and go, hey, how you doing? Sal and Becky are here. Give them a hand. That's enough. That's enough. That's good. Oh, I'm so glad they're here because guess what? It is Gary's birthday today. It's Gary's birthday. He's 64. I was going to get you a gift. I was going to get you a can of corn uh, because you need corn this time of year, right? I mean, that's the, that's a stupid joke. I'm sorry. Hey, uh, guess what? It's also going to be Carol's birthday on Tuesday. Carol, you look really good for 70. <laughs> I kid. Doug, how old is she going to be? You don't know. That's a good answer. 
Hey, you look good for 40. You look good for 42, Carol. God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hey, man, it's just good to be together, right? Anybody else have a birthday this week? Nobody wants to answer now. <laughs> Joan's birthday was Friday. Man, I didn't know that. Happy birthday, Joan. If you're watching online, happy birthday. Amen. This week. <laughs> all right. This week, here's the th- interesting thing. We see a shift in what's happening because now the Apostle John isn't speaking to the seven churches. Now, this is interesting. We is about to step into a vision. The revelator, John the revelator, is about to step into a vision. He's about to encounter what's a revelation or an apocalypse or an unveiling of what is to come, right? And it starts in this way. Revelation 4, 1 through 2 says this. It says, After I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. Say, standing open. A door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Say, after this. At once I was in the Spirit, verse 2, and behold, a throne room stood in heaven with one, say one, seated on the throne. John is on this island called Patmos. He's still there. We've, uh, he's going to be there this entire book of Revelation. And he has given the letters to the seven churches, and then he sees a door. So he's given the letters. He writes the letters out. And he looks up, and he sees a door, and it's standing open in heaven. And as he sees this door, the Lord says, I want you up here with me. I can't wait for that day. I want you up here with me. And instantly, John is in the Spirit and goes up to heaven. Keep in mind that he is in the Spirit. His body is still on Patmos. Right? His body's still on Patmos. He is in the Spirit. And what happens is a vision for the future. John says that once he was in the Spirit, he sees a throne and that the one is seated upon it. His physical body is in Patmos. His spirit's in heaven. Because his body could not stand what he was about to experience. His body could not stand the glory and the power that he's about to experience. But we're going to get to experience it with him this morning. It says this in verse 3. This is where we start to get into some interesting things. We're going to stay here for a while. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone or carnelian stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Now, we can't move forward from here without looking at the language that John uses and how he uses it. So, throughout Revelation, and I want you to listen to this carefully, Throughout Revelation, John is going to describe some things in the literal and some things in the figurative. There's some things that are going to be literal. These are this is just what was there. And there's some things that are symbolic. So when we look at this symbolism, it's a matter of us trying to figure out exactly what does this mean. And that's where you get into all the different interpretations of Revelation. John will describe some things as literal, some things as figurative, okay? So he uses the symbolism to try to get us to understand 
He can't exactly describe it, but this is what it looked like. So let me break this down for you. Keep in mind who he's writing to, the style he's writing in, and to who, uh, the, the time that he's writing in. You have to understand the time he's writing in, the style he's writing in, and then to who he is writing. Because when we hear that he sat on a throne, and he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone, there was a rainbow around the throne, and appearance like an emerald, we go, okay, that sounds good, but what does it mean? What does it mean that he had the appearance like jasper and sardius stone? Does anybody have an idea of what that means? Adeline, you have an idea? I'm kidding. How many know what it means, what the jasper stone signifies? Does anybody have an idea of what it signifies, Sue? No, that's, that's a good guess. That's okay. Anybody know what the sardius stone signifies? Anybody know what the jasper stone signifies? It's interesting because here's, here's what happened. We have to go back to the Old Testament. Now, to us, it doesn't mean much. Jasper stone, sardius, or carnelian stone, that doesn't mean a whole lot to us. So what is the significance? Uh, Mikey, go to the next picture. In order to understand the significance, we have to go back to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, under Jewish law, there was a high priest. Okay, so under Jewish law, high priest. The high priest was the one who was appointed by God, listen carefully, to determine God's will for the people of Israel and to make a sacrifice for the people of Israel. He was one who was whole in body and holy in conduct. If you were the high priest, you went into the tabernacle. You went into the Holy of Holies. They tied a rope around you as you went in because if you had any impurities in your life, you would fall dead before the glory of God. And then they would drag your body out with that rope, right? So the high priest had significant, significant understanding and responsibilities within the camp or the nation of Israel. He was born out of the tribe of Levi, and he was of the order of Aaron. Now, some of you might be following this, and some maybe say I'm not quite following this, but here's why this is important. The high priest wore a breastplate. And on that breastplate, there was 12 stones. The 12 stones represented each of the 12 tribes or the 12 sons of Israel. How many know who Israel was before he was Israel? Jacob, right? Jacob's name, he wrestled with God. His name was changed to Israel. And he has 12 sons. The first son is named Reuben. The last son is is named Benjamin. How many know that the stones that are on the breastplate representing the 12 sons or the 12 tribes, the first stone is called Cardillion or Sardius, and it's the representation of Reuben. And the last stone is, signifies Benjamin, and it's called Jasper, and it signifies the end. So when John says the one who appeared on the throne was like Jasper and Sardius or Canalian, he's saying, I am seeing the Alpha and the Omega. I am seeing the beginning and the end. I am seeing the Almighty, the one who was and is and is to come. Isn't that incredible? 
(laughs) He's seen the very Son of God. Now, he says that there's a rainbow, and the rainbow that surrounds the throne, and the rainbow was was the appearance of emerald or green emerald. The rainbow, how many know, has significance, not because of what it stands for in culture today, but because of the the promise that God has given us not to destroy the earth. That's what the, the significance of the rainbow has today. The significance is God's promise not to bring destruction to the earth by flood. It's a sign of his promise. I like what David Guzik says. He says this, a throne says I can do whatever I want because I rule. A promise says, I will fulfill this word to you, and I cannot do otherwise. A promise says, I can fulfill, I'm going to fulfill this word to you, and I'm not going to break my promise. A rainbow around this throne is a remarkable thing, showing that God will always limit himself by his promises. A tyrant has no limits. A God of mercy and grace and a good, good father, one who has reckless love for us, one who put his son on the cross. He limits himself by his promises. Now, you say, what's interesting about the emerald? Depending on the documentaries you read, it applies to either one of two tribes. It applies to the tribe of Judah because he is the lion of Judah. Or it applies to the tribe of Levi. You say, why is that that significant? Because the Bible describes Jesus in both ways. Chapter 5 of Revelation, we're going to see here in just a minute, he's the Lion of Judah. And then in Hebrews, we see that he is our high priest. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says this. 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Go to the next slide. It says in verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. How many are glad to understand, or glad to have a high priest who understands what we've been through? Sue, The Bible says that we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. So even in our sickness, God sympathizes with us. Even when you're struggling in your body, God understands what you're going through. He loves you. Amen. In our lives, we go through things in our lives where we're tempted, and we, sometimes it seems we're tempted beyond measure, Mike. Sometimes it seems we're tempted beyond what we can control, but it says Jesus was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin because he is our high priest. He's of the order of Levi, of the order of Aaron. I like what one pastor says. He's of the order of Melchizedek, and if you don't know who Melchizedek is, we'll get into that at some point. Jesus is our high priest. He's seated on the throne. A a rainbow of emerald is there. John sees this. And then he sees some more and interesting things. Now, when we look at the symbolism of Revelation, we can see some really incredible detail and really powerful imagery, right? 
But it takes some time for us to break it down so that we can understand it correctly. Now, I want to say this very clearly. While much of Revelation is symbolism, not all of it is. So what we see next is not figurative, but it's literal. It's not figurative. What we see next is in this verse. Verse 4 says this. John chapter 4, verse 4. Revelation chapter 4, verse 4 says, Around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. Say 24 elders. White robes, crowns of gold. Who are the 24 elders? Tim, who are the 24 elders, Tim? No, no, here's the thing. It's a trick question. We don't know. We don't know who the, Tim's like, I should know this. No, we, we don't know. No, we, we don't know who the 24, there is some interesting speculation. There is, maybe it's a representative of the 12, each has a representative of the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 disciples. That'd be 24, right? We, we don't know for sure. Maybe it's the prophets of the Old Testament with the preachers of the New Testament. We, we don't know. We don't know exactly who is seated there, but we see that they are seated on thrones. We see that they are dressed in white robes. We see that they have a crown of gold on their heads. So regardless of who they are, we can understand that these were men who pursued God's presence, they pursued God's righteousness, and they may have very well paid with their lives. And they are now living in glory with Jesus. We don't don't know for sure who they are, but we can be sure that in their lives they pursued a righteousness with God. Now understand that that this is speculation, but it's speculation based on what we see in Scripture. So regardless of who this is exactly, we see that they are there in this vision. That John, in this vision, he's on Patmos, but in this vision he's in heaven, he sees the throne, and around the throne there's 24 thrones. So we see the literal throne of Jesus. Oh, I just lost my spot here. What happened? We see the literal throne of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. The literal thrones of the 24 elders. And then we see a description from John that is a powerful reminder of the glory of God. It says this. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Verse 6, before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures, listen to this, full of eyes front and back. What we see from the throne is lightning and thunder. How many experienced the storm this last week? And in that storm, there was lightning and there was thunder, right? Voices and fire. And so it brings up what Israel sees when God is on Mount Sinai, when the presence of God is on Mount Sinai. We see this in Exodus chapter 20. It says this in verse 18 through 19. I want you to, when we read this, think about what John is seeing in his vision. Now, when all the people saw the thunder 
and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountains smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood afar off. Go to the next slide. And it says this in verse 19, And they said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us, lest we die. Do not let God speak to us. They understood the holiness of God. They understood the glory of the Father. They understood that when you heard him, it was like cracks of lightning and rolls of thunder, right? Clothed in rainbows with living color, flashes of lightning, rolls of thunder. Blessing and honor, strength and glory and power be to you, the only wise king. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Amen? Come on. Let all creation I sing praise to the King of kings. You are my everything and I will adore you. You say, where do those words come from? We're seeing these words play out right now. We're seeing these words play out right now. <laughs> the descriptor we see from John. I love the descriptor because if you experienced the storm this last week, you saw the lightning, you heard the thunder, you, you heard it crack and shake your very home. Right? Powerful images of the glory of God. Before the throne was a sea, and, and we don't know if this is symbolic or literal, but we see that it's, it's like glass. My parents used to stay on a lake in Michigan, and there's no waves. Very, very rarely was there waves on it. It was just like glass. You didn't know. There was times where uh, they tried to uh, run jet skis on it, and it was so hard to run a jet ski on it because it was so smooth. It's kind of a, kind of a weird-sounding thing, but it was so smooth. There was no waves. There was no nothing. So we don't know if this is symbolic or literal, but we do see that it's like glass, and it's here that we get into some kind of strange things. We're introduced to four strange creatures. Now, it says this. They are Now, here's what we understand. They are literally there. This is not symbolic. This is literal. And it's what we would say they have a strange appearance. It says, verse 4, living creatures full of eyes in the front and the back. And then verse 7 tells us more. The first living creature was like a lion. The, seventh, the second living creature, like a calf. The third living creature had the face of a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Now, I have normally... I was saying to Mikey, I had tried to find a good depiction of what this would have looked like online. It gets pretty freaky. <laughs> I gotta be honest with you. There's no great descriptions. I, I've looked at I looked at different artists and I looked at different uh, paintings and I looked at different all kind of different media and whatnot to see if I could find a good picture that would describe. And it's all kind of freaky because it's basically a body with eyes all over it. 
It's a body with eyes all over it. One looks like a lion, the other like a calf, one like a man, one like an eagle. And so when you look at these descriptions, you go, that's very strange. But John is describing these things in the only way he can. Even this we are seeing through a mirror dimly, right? Even this, we're not exactly sure what it's going to look like, but this is the only way John can describe it to us. So it's a description of angelic beings who are before the throne room of God. Strange in appearance, but to be sure, they have a function, and the function is one that cannot be missed. It says this in verse 8, and listen carefully, the four living creatures, each having six wings were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night. They are saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. These angelic creatures full of eyes with strange appearance and six wings are there in the throne room of God. They're in the throne room of God. To see that they have so many eyes means that they, have, that they see many things. It means that they are extremely knowledgeable in what they see. But their knowledge doesn't take them away from the worship of God. It draws them into the worship of God. Understand that. That their knowledge, no matter how immense it may be, does not take them away from the worship of God. It draws them into the worship of God. I like what this commentary says. It says, these beings of great intelligence and understanding, they live their existence to worship God. All failure, listen to this, all failure to truly worship is rooted in a lack of seeing and understanding. All failure to truly worship is rooted in a failure to understand and see. One pastor said it this way. Listen to this carefully. Our worship must be intelligent. Our worship must be intelligent. Our service must not be rash, but reasonable. Our service must not be rash, but reasonable. Our worship must be intelligent. Listen, there are brilliant-minded people in this world who miss out on the worship of God because they are simply not open to his immensity and his glory. They are only moved or swayed by what is visible to them without understanding that what is invisible is incredible. And so if they would open or expand their definitions, if they would open or expand their understanding, they would see not just evidence of God, but the movements of God. I'm always amazed at listening to scientists who, stu who study quantum physics or quantum mechanics. When you look into this really incredible scientific theories and string theory and multiple dimensions and all the different things that are available widely known to us now and the, and the scientists that go, there's nothing to explain this, but that there is a, a designer. There is a creator and his creation is magnificent. But we look at these creatures, we look at these four creatures and it says this, verse 9. Whenever the living creatures give glory 
and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever. Verse 10, the 24 elders, listen, this is what happens. They fall down before him who sits at the throne. They worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Now, keep in mind, we don't know who exactly these 24 elders are, but here's what we know, that they are seated on thrones of righteousness. They have white robes and crowns of glory, but no matter what glory they have, it pales in comparison to the glory of the one true king. Because when the creatures start to bow down and they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the elders in their thrones can't help but get off of their thrones, lay before the king, throw their crowns before him and say, everything that we have is yours. This is a picture of true worship. Clothed in rainbows of living color, flashes of lightning, rolls of thunder. Man. John, what John sees here must have been so incredible. What John sees here is just a glimpse, just an understanding of what happens here. He sees an understanding, listen to this, he sees an understanding of our function. An understanding of our function. What John sees is that those who know him best will worship him the most. That those who have relationship with him will worship him the most. I like what this commentary said. It is impossible to worship him if you do not know him. And since true worship is a response to knowing him, the more we know about God, the better we can worship him. And we can ascribe to him the worship that he is due. How many know that God is due all of our worship and praise? He is due all of our worship and praise. I want you to think about the words of the creatures and the words of the elders this morning. Mikey, go ahead and play that song. You know the song. It's Carrie Job. Thank you, Lord. Holy, holy is he. It's impossible to worship him if you do not know him. Since true worship is a response to knowing him. The more we know about God, the better we can worship him or ascribe to him the worship that he is due. Holy, holy is he. Let's just worship him for a second right now. 
sing a new song to him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord, who was and is and is to come. Think about the descriptions that John gives us of Jesus and be reminded of the worship we give to God. Amen? Listen to this. Listen to these words. Of living color, flashes of lightning, rolls of thunder. It's the voice of God in our lives. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to have this song continue to play just in the background as we move forward. Because Revelation 4 begins to show us the worship of God. And Revelation 5 continues to show us this worship and His glory. And in verse 1 of chapter 5, it says this. Go ahead and turn it down just a bit more. It says, and I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Verse three says, or verse two says, then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. In other words, nobody was worthy. Nobody was worthy. So John says, and so I wept much. I bawled, I cried, I wept because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. Now, again, I, I told you this at the beginning of the message. Next week, we're going to focus on the scroll and the seals, but this week, I want to jump ahead just for a bit to understand this role of worship. John is weeping because no one is worthy. No one is worthy to open the scrolls or to loose the seals until he hears a voice. And it's verse 5. It says this, But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Do not cry. Do not weep because the lion of the tribe of Judah... The root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and loose its seven seals. In case you're not sure, the lion of the tribe of Judah is Jesus and the root of David is Jesus. And it says this in verse 6, And I looked and behold, remember those four creatures, you, you remember the 24 elders. I looked and behold in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. 
And he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now, if you think about the language here, what you'll see is another depiction of the Trinity. That the Lamb of God takes the scroll out of him who sits on the throne. The Lamb is Jesus. He takes the scroll out of the hand of the Father. And when he does, we we see the response of the four creatures and the 24 elders. And it says this. Verse 8, now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. In case you aren't aware, this is a scene of worship before God. They weren't just saying the words, they are singing the words to God. And then we see that they are joined by so many more. Verse 11 says, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times, 10,000 and thousands and thousands. This is a symbolic way of saying there were so many, I could not count them. I could not count them. It had to be literally millions upon millions. And them saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven, listen to this, Every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying this, all of creation says these words, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Will somebody give him glory this morning? The Bible says that if you won't cry out, the rocks will cry out in our place. It's the essence of worship. It's what we're called to do. It's the function of what you're supposed to do. You were created for relationship with God. And when you have relationship with God, out of that relationship will flow glory. It will flow worship. It will flow magnifying the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Go ahead and turn the music up a bit. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is he. Turn it up. Every creature. Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is he. Every creature. 
above, below, all the creatures of land and sea. In case you're not sure that you're one of them. Amen? Listen. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is he. Thank you, Lord. Sing a new song to him who sits on. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, we worship you this morning. If you would stand with me this morning. Jenny, if you could make your way up. Lord, we worship you. With all creation I sing. Praise to the King of Kings. Sing along. You know the song. You are my everything. And I will adore you. Lord, we worship you. Oh, turn off Carrie Job. Jenny, will you start playing? It's one thing to have anointing on a CD. It's another thing to have anointing in the building. Amen? Come on. We have a good worship team. And every creature, verse 13, which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, I heard saying blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Thank you, 
Don't stop worshiping him this morning. Don't stop worshiping him. This is the function you were created for. This is why we exist this morning. relationship with you. God wants relationship with you. And out of that relationship flows worship. Say, Pastor David, we're here. We're worshiping. We're doing what God's called us to do. This is a part of it, but this is not all of it. Listen, worship is not just a slow song. I like John Bevere said that years ago. Worship is not just a slow song. Worship is how we magnify and glorify Jesus with our lives. When we are in relationship with him, he will be magnified everywhere we go. Those around you will say something's different. Something is different. Because you carry the anointing of God with you into the grocery stores and the post office. You carry the glory of God, the anointing of God with you into the schools and into the offices. You get in your truck, you get in your car, and 
the anointing of God comes down. You have to pull off to the side of the road just because his glory is filling the place. Can you imagine a revival breaking out in Fairway? Come on. Can you imagine people just wanting to get saved? Just saying, I don't know what you have, but I want it, Mike. I don't know what you have, but I need it. I don't know what is on your life or what's different, but I have to be a part of it. That's the anointing. That's what flows out of relationship. So, Lord, we give you glory this morning. We magnify you this morning. We exalt you this morning. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Clothed in rainbows of living color. Flashes of lightning. Rolls of thunder. Let our lives be a reflection of worship. Let us start living according to our function in worship. John has this vision. It's this incredible vision. Can you hear me, Doug? Can you hear me okay? John has this incredible vision. And he gets a glimpse of understanding our function. Just one more time, listen. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Let's worship. And I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything. You are my everything. And I will adore you. Lord, we adore you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. you this morning. Thank you for showing us a glimpse of what it means to worship you. Thank you for showing us just a glimpse of what it means to see your glory. Rolling thunder and cracks of lightning. The Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last. Lord, I pray over those who are here this morning. Lord, I pray that you would give us a realization of our relationship with you. Check our hearts, Lord. Draw us close to you. 
that out of relationship with you would flow worship. Lord, I pray over each person that's here. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would keep them. I pray that you would cause your face to shine down upon them. And Lord, I pray that you would give them rest. In Jesus' name. This morning, before we end, I just want to I just want to encourage you. Just rest here for a minute. I understand it's five minutes to noon. People feel like they gotta go. And if you do, I understand. It's fine. But we're going to have music here. We're going to play the CD if we need to. And if you want to just spend some time in, in this place, worship him this morning. God bless you. We love you. Remember, Wednesday night at 6.30, we have The Chosen. We're, con we're continuing in the series. It, is, it has been awesome so far. It just gets better. So if you haven't been able to join us, you can pick up right where we are. You'll be a part of it. It's fantastic. We're called to worship him. Amen. Mike, will you go ahead and play that CD? We're called to be worshipers this morning. Amen. Amen. It's part of our function. It's part of who we are, what we're called to do. God bless you guys. We love you. Have a great week.